Hey, Quilt Crew, welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Brandy Maslowski here, and this is the first New Year's episode of 2021. I created the Quilter on Fire podcast to surround myself with a community of quilters that I love, and you, my friends, do not disappoint. This is podcast episode number eight, and I'm having so much fun. My guests have been inspiring, funny, and super generous with gifts, and there's so much more where that came from. At the end of today's show, I'll rattle off a list of upcoming episodes so you get a sneak peek of what's in store. One podcast episode at a time, I'll bring you more joy and less overwhelm in the quilting studio. Welcome, my friends, to episode eight of the Quilter on Fire podcast. And today it's just me with no guest. That's right, I'm all yours. This is the first time since episode one back on December 1st that it's just me chatting about a topic. But this episode is packed with info on starting off the new year with more joy and less overwhelm. Now, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast and you're thinking you might like to tell your friends about it, it's always available free online anytime, all the time, 24-7 for your listening pleasure. Just go to quilteronfire.com and click on the podcast tab to choose from all of the episodes. You can listen while you walk, while you drive, and especially while you quilt. You can also see short little trailers for each episode on the Quilter on Fire YouTube channel, so be sure to subscribe there. And if you have a smartphone, you can download any podcast app and subscribe so you see each new episode as it hits the airwaves. I have all kinds of exciting guests, topics, and events planned for 2021. So if you like what you are hearing, please share the podcast with your friends. The greatest compliment you can give me is an introduction to your friends. So today is the New Year's episode. When I began to plan for this episode, I did a little brainstorm. I scribbled in my notebook about what was working for me and what hasn't worked for me over the years when it comes to New Year's resolutions, planning, goals, dreams, and more. I can tell you for sure that I'm by no means an expert at anything to do with goal setting or meeting goals, but I'm pretty darn good at dreaming. What I mean by that is that I can dream up a storm and scribble down ideas until the cows come home, but execution is a different story. So today I'll be sharing with you just what I know and what works for me. Everyone is so different, so if you come away today with just one little tidbit of information that helps you be better at what you want to accomplish in your world, then I'll be pleased as punch. Okay, I'm sorry, that was like three overused cliches in a single paragraph. I promise I'll stop doing that. So let's talk New Year's resolutions. I did a little scour of my social media apps like Facebook and Instagram, and so far I've found these seven New Year's resolutions from quilters in these first few days of 2021. So I'll say the resolution and then I'll add my take on each one. So quilting resolution number one finishing UFOs or not buying new patterns. This is the resolution I've seen the most in the last week. So if it strikes a chord with you, oh, that's another cliche, sorry. But if it does strike a chord with you, I recommend you take a full inventory of your UFOs. I mean, find them all and lay them all out on a bed. You may realize that you have a huge pile, but get them all out. Write them all down and log them by title or pattern or whatever way you want to organize it. And also add what's missing to finish the project. 
Sometimes it's as simple as a missing backing, or you just need to get it quilted, or you need to just add the binding, just one little thing to get the job done. So take an inventory of all your unfinished quilts. Once you have a list, it's important to prioritize the UFOs and post this list somewhere where it's visible, like on a bulletin board or have it on your desktop. If it's visible and you ever find yourself with some, some time on your hands, you can easily look at the list and tackle a UFO. I also saw one comment on Facebook suggesting that you give away UFOs you've fallen out of love with. That's such a great tip. I don't even know who said that, but I saw it on Facebook and I have a couple of those myself. One quilter's nightmare can be another quilter's treasure. Resolution number two that I saw online is declutter and organize your studio. Well, my tip here has to be sign up for my studio's lecture if you haven't already seen it. I do lectures for local guilds and once in a while I'll put this lecture up for open enrollment. So keep an eye on my website. If you want some book ideas to get you going, I love Clear Your Clutter with Feng Shui by Karen Kingston and The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. Those both are really great books. Resolution number three that I saw online in the last week is not buying any new fabric or using up old fabric first. This must have been a typo. I mean, really? Who wants to stop buying fabric? All kidding aside, though, it is a great idea to organize your fabric in a way that you can easily see it all. Seeing is creating, in my view, and the more you see it, the more likely you are to use it up. And when you find a fabric that you've fallen out of love with, sell it or donate it or give it to a friend. There are some really great D-Stash Facebook groups where you can sell your fabric. Every once in a while, I declutter my house and I go on a rampage finding all the little things that we no longer love. And I get together with my husband and go out for a nice dinner with the money we've made. On our anniversary recently, we spent almost $250 just because we got rid of a bunch of old stuff we never use. We would never normally spend that much. Plus, we hadn't eaten out in months because of the pandemic, so it made for a very special anniversary. Never in my life have I ever eaten Arctic char, and it was delicious. Quilting resolution number four, sorting scraps. I love this one and it's a big problem that I have. I have four huge drawers on my cutting table and one of them is constantly full of scraps because I clear off my table often with a huge arm swipe right into the drawer. What I do to tackle this is I spend some time with my mom. Once the drawer is full, I transfer it into a few laundry baskets and I go sit down with my mom to watch a movie and we sort the fabrics together in rainbow piles, meaning a pile of red, one of orange, one of green. You get the drill. Then I transfer them into my rainbow drawers. I've tried sorting scraps by fabric type, by project, and by a bunch of other ways over the years, but this year making it rainbow has really worked for me. I'm loving my wall of rainbow scraps. Resolution number five is making a certain number of charity quilts per year. Okay, this is probably my favorite resolution that I've seen online in this last week. You all know how much I talk about quilts of valor. You don't have to make a dozen quilts per year or anything, but I can tell you for sure, if you've never made a quilt for charity, you're missing out. 
The feeling you get inside your heart is hard to beat. It rivals hugs, kisses, and everything else that tops the joy list and everything that we've been missing in 2020. When I volunteered a few years back for Quilts of Valor, I attended a few meetings where the secretary read cards from recipients and the tears were flowing. They are so grateful. It may seem like a small thing to us to wrap ourselves up in a quilt, but for a soldier who is suffering at home, it can be the difference between life and death. It can be the small thing that just makes their day. It's the comfort of knowing that a total stranger cared so much about them serving their country that they spent a dozen hours or more making a quilt for them. It will truly fill your heart. So after all that, what's my tip? Check to see if there's a charity program at your local guild or go to quiltofvalor.ca to make your first Quilt of Valor. Resolution number six, have an accountability partner. This is such a good one that I'm not even going to talk about it. I got this idea from my friends Felicity and Nadia, who were accountable to each other all year long and watching their progress on Facebook was astonishing. So get yourself an accountability partner and challenge each other. I'm having them on the podcast this spring, so you'll hear a lot more about this topic. Resolution number seven, learn a new skill. I really like this resolution because I am a lifelong learner. When I was a firefighter, I took all of the training the fire department even offered within the first five years, and I was the youngest female lieutenant. I was very proud of that. So for quilting, I think it's so important to keep on signing up for workshops you love or connect yourself with friends who can do what you want to learn, mentors who can teach you what they know. The quilting world is so amazing. And even though there may be a few quilt police out there, there are so many amazing, generous, gracious quilters who believe there is room for everyone to thrive. So connect with those people who lift you up and make you laugh and love quilting. So those were seven common quilting New Year's resolutions I recently found online and my take on each one. I hope you found a few good tidbits there to take away. And now, since I don't even torture myself with resolutions, I'm going to tell you the types of things I do to set my intentions for the year. I don't even do resolutions at all. I was a bit shocked a few weeks ago when I interviewed Lyric Kennard because she said she doesn't do resolutions either. Instead, she looks back on the year and counts her accomplishments, writes them down, and checks them off on the list. How satisfying. And when she said that, I was kind of thinking, I actually do that every year. And in fact, when I was deciding what I wanted to talk about today, I looked back at my New Year's podcast from a few years ago, and I actually told everyone that they should take the time to review their successes. You'll be so surprised at how much you accomplished in the past year. So that's a perfect segue into my first tip for setting your intentions for 2021. You might want to grab a pen and jot down these five little things. They're just prompts to set yourself up for a good year. Like I said, I'm no psychological expert or anything, but these few things seem to work well for me. So my first tip for a great 2021 is reflection. I agree with Lyric Kennard that we should take a look back at what we've accomplished over the past year. What worked, what didn't, what you should do more of, and what you should stop. I really like to do this because I'm in a constant state of never feeling like I have enough time and never feeling like I get anything done. But the reality is that I have made a lot of progress on my dreams. My second tip is to set goals. 
Instead of resolutions that I tend to ditch after a week, I like the idea of year-round goals of being healthy, happy, and productive. I like the idea of creating better habits for yourself one little habit at a time until you're doing better things for your body, mind, and life in general all the time. Every book I've ever read on productivity and achieving your dreams talks about writing down your goals and creating better habits. I kind of like a more playful way to do it that I once heard on the Oprah Winfrey show. She had Kelly Ripa as a guest once, and she asked Kelly how she manages to meet her goals each year. Instead of just writing a set of goals down on paper, she does it visually. She has a dream board. She told a story about how she cut out a picture of herself and doctored it up a bit so it looked like she was holding a daytime Emmy Award. This was her dream, and she looked at that dream board every day with that picture on it. She asked herself, what kind of actions do I have to do today to be the kind of person who would win that Emmy Award? And within a year, she won the award. Tip number three for a better 2021 is accountability. I've already touched on this one today, so I won't say another word, but I'll be doing an entire podcast about accountability in April with a few good friends. Tip number four is all about routine. It touches on that idea of creating better habits for yourself. I find that I'm way more likely to work out first thing in the morning if I set my work clothes out the night before, and I'm way more likely to get down to my office and get right to work because I work at home if I shower and get dressed. If I wear PJs all day long, I tend to slack off. One thing I really want to add to my routine in 2021 is a better sleep schedule. I tend to stay up way too late and get up way too early and I get very little sleep. So my solution is to set my phone wake schedule for sleep from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. every day for a better routine. I know for a fact that I feel so much better when I get a good night's sleep. Tip number five is a combo of self-care and gratitude. There have been times in my life where I've read a great book or watched something on TV that convinced me I should meditate and practice gratefulness. And I always try these things and love it, and I can't believe how much better I feel. So first, let's tackle self-care. What have you done lately just for yourself? Have you had a nice bath? Grabbed a good book and a cup of tea and just read as long as you like? Have you carved out a good few hours for yourself just to quilt the day away? I like to practice self-care by taking some time every morning to care for myself before anyone else is even awake. I sit silently for a few minutes and just do a short meditation of silence. I don't even think about anything or say anything. I just do five minutes of silence with myself. Then I listen to one of my self-recorded affirmations. I tell myself I'm wonderful in a whole bunch of different ways. Then I do about 20 minutes of yoga and I've set myself up for a wonderful day. I feel so good when I've already exercised before I even start work. But I don't do this every day, not by a long shot. I let it slide for a while, I get busy, and I forget about how great it feels. I get overworked, and I realize I'm stressed, and then I try it again every morning. The key is to forgive yourself for not doing what you really want to do, and just get back in there and do it the next morning. If you beat yourself up over it, you'll just feel bad, and you won't end up doing anything. Now let's chat about my last great way to set your intentions for the year, and that is gratitude. The first thing that probably comes to mind when you hear that word is Oprah. She talked about gratitude all the time. I like practicing gratitude in a very simple way in the evening before I go to sleep. I have a very hard time falling asleep because my mind is very active. 
So I either listen to a gratitude recording that I wrote myself, or I simply write down a few things that I was grateful for that day. That's it. It just pushes my brain into a positive thought or two before bed and chases the worries away. So those are my five tips for setting your intentions for 2021. Okay, now we're going to take a short break for a note from our sponsor. Northcott Fabrics are famous to quilters for their Stonehenge and O Canada collections. Right here on this podcast, we'll be giving away fabric from Northcott Collections, Banyan Batiks, and Figo Fabrics. Look for all of these at your local quilt shop. And announcing Patrick Lowe's Fabrics is a new division for Northcott in 2021. You'll see new fabrics in quilt stores starting this spring. And wait until you see his Christmas magic collection coming out in July. Northcott, cottons that feel like silk. Now, before we start to wrap things up, I have a little something special I like to do with all of my guests. It's a series of rapid fire questions called the lightning round robin. I went online this time to see what questions you'd want to ask of me. So here we go. Number one, Linda asks, which part of the creative process do you enjoy the most? Well, that's pretty easy. I love to just pull everything out, make a huge mess and play and play and play. The fabric, the embellishments, I could just get lost in a pile of color and texture. I've been known to accidentally stay up all night long just creating. So that's my favorite part. And Kathy asks, and then which part do you find the most difficult and how do you manage to work around that difficulty? Now, this I found to be a very tough question because what's difficult about your passion, right? I mean, I love everything about quilting. So I think I've realized over the years that I find private commissions more difficult than creating my own fiber art. When I make something for myself, it's just free creative play. But when I'm catering to a client, there is a lot of collaboration to be sure that you're reaching their goal as well as your own. So the way I get around that hurdle is to communicate really, really well. I actually did a Zoom PowerPoint with my current client to review the color scheme, the dimensions, the hanging structure, and everything. So, you know, I've got the comfort that I'm doing what she wants and she's going to have a great product in the end. I also have to give myself a rigid deadline to work on it because she didn't have a deadline for me. She's She doesn't really care how long it takes me. So I need to give myself a deadline for a certain number of hours each week so it gets done in good time. The third question is, Elizabeth asks, what is your favorite quilting technique? Oh my gosh, I love so many quilting techniques. I've tried almost everything you can ever imagine. Uh, every time I heard of something that I'd never tried before when I was going through the judging program, I would try it. Like if I hadn't done a cathedral window, I would make one. But if you think about my favorite one, I guess lately my favorite one is curved piecing. It's one of those things that freaks pe people out a little bit, but once you get the hang of it, you really can get good at it, and it's very satisfying. My latest pattern called Zen Ocean Waves has that curved piecing technique. Uh, the fourth question is Colleen Quilts 2 asked, what do you listen to or watch while quilting? And what is your favorite color? So first I'll answer what do you listen to and watch. Um, I am an absolute addict to Audible. I have stopped all subscriptions to everything I've ever subscribed for, and I only subscribe to Audible. I took a quick peek at my account, and I have over 150 titles in there, and I've almost listened to all of them, and some of them I've listened to twice. So I'll take a minute now to just give you my top five favorite reads on Audible. Uh, 
Number five is The Cat's Table. This is Michael Undace, and it's my favorite fiction. Number four is The Orphan Train. This is the best narrator I have ever listened to. This narrator does all of the different voices from an elderly woman to a young team and men and women and everything in between. It's amazing. Number three is the Louise Penny Mysteries. These are Canadian and it's Nature of the Beast and Bury Your Dead and those kind of things. It's um, Inspector Gamache. And I, I think I've read three of them actually, but those are my favorite mysteries. Number two is The Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. It's really kind of cool because it, you know, it's a guy who follows along with them and writes this story about them. It's kind of neat. And the number one read for me on Audible is Brene Brown by a long shot. I've listened to all six of her books and that's spelled B-R-E-N-E. And uh, I've listened to some of them multiple times. She has... She talks all about resiliency and living a wholehearted life. She's so positive. My latest fiber art uh, diptych, which is a two-piece fiber art piece, was inspired by these books, and it is called Wholehearted. And the second part of Colleen's question was, what is your favorite color? All my life, I've seemed to love pale yellow. I remember as a child always saying yellow, yellow, that was my favorite color. But in quilting and in my studio, it is a deep, rich Canadian red, like the Northcott Cotton's red. I'm a Canadian through and through. If your guild has hired me for my studio's lecture, they've seen red all over my studio in the studio tour. Um, question number five, Bobby asked me, who inspires me most on Instagram, which made me laugh out loud because she knows it's her. <laughs> she inspired me enough to take her Instagram course and have her on the podcast a few weeks ago. So make sure you look up the geeky Bobbin on Instagram. She's really funny. And the last question of the lightning round, Robin, question number six is by two people, Liz and Roxy Quilts. What's your favorite snack in the quilting room? Well, every day I have a morning snack of cottage cheese and apples or nuts or something. But my favorite snack, like for rewards, if I'm clearing clutter or something, is peanut M&Ms. I absolutely love peanut M&Ms with popcorn while I'm watching movies, but I never bring popcorn in my studio because it's a little too buttery. I don't want that grease everywhere. Now's the time to share the podcast giveaway for this week. This week's prize is three Northcott Fat Quarters by Banyan Batiks. Now, if you're on my mailing list, you already got the link to enter the giveaway. You can also go to Quilter on Fire on YouTube and find the trailer for episode eight. And the link is in the description. It is so easy to find because it will say episode eight and have a photo of me. And I also blasted all of our social media. So if you're following Quilter on Fire, you will see it there. As we wrap up today, here is the question that I ask every guest at the end of each podcast. What is the one thing you want people to take away most from this conversation? So I'll answer it myself. When it comes to New Year's resolutions, I suggest that you take it easy on yourself. For me, I find it better to brainstorm my goals, figure out what I want to accomplish, put it on a dream board, mark it on the calendar, take little steps each day to make things happen. I think as quilters and as people in general, we really need to take it easy on ourselves and just embrace who we are, the good and the bad. I'm tired of hearing quilters say, oh, I'm just not that creative. And or sometimes they say, I'm not really a quilter. I'm just kind of figuring it out. 
why do we refrain from giving ourselves credit? I recently read a Facebook post in a group called Slow Stitch, which you must join if you love hand stitching because it is awesome. But the person started off the post by saying, I'm not a slow stitcher, but... And then she proceeded to talk about the 100 blocks she had stitched for 100 days in a row. It was so beautiful to look at that I couldn't even get over it. Now, why on earth would she not consider herself worthy of the title slow stitcher when that's exactly what she was doing? So here's my final thought leading into this brand new year. Embrace who you are and even call yourself something, even if you feel like you are only on your way. If you are working on your very first beginner pattern, then you are a quilter, my friend. You just are. No awards necessary. If it's what you love to do, then it's who you are. You are a quilter. Now, as promised, I want to take a minute to let you know who's coming up on the next three podcasts. Next week for episode nine, I'll have Varushka Zarate of Pride and Joy Quilting. Look her up on Instagram. You'll be astonished by her amazing quilted portraits. For episode 10, I interview the three founders of Make Modern Magazine in Australia. And if you're not signed up for my newsletter, you want to head over to my website to do that because they'll be giving away a free digital issue of the magazine on January 19th to everyone on my email list. That's over 2,500 people. Episode 11 is all about Cobble Hill Puzzle Company. They make about a dozen different quilt puzzles, so we'll talk about everything to do with quilt puzzles and how they're made. Well, that is it for today's show, my friends. As always, now is the time to connect. Great conversations happen with you after the podcast. What do you do for New Year's resolutions? And I know you hear me say this week after week, but I'm honestly telling you it really makes my day when you reply to my Tuesday email or send me a note on social media telling me how you connected with my topic or loved the guest or got inspired to make something. I really want to create a community where we can all be inspired. Now, don't forget to enter the prize giveaway for your chance to win some Banyan Batiks by Northcott. For 2020, I wish you the kind of joy that makes you sing in the shower and dance around the house like I do every time I'm lifted up by you. I wish you the kind of joy that makes you dive into your quilting studio to create something new. I wish you the kind of joy that I get from interviewing my podcast guests and creating fun content to share with you. I wish you all the best kind of days like my wonderful day today. Thank you so much for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Happy New Year. And until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.